This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode 103. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. Hey there, and welcome to the show. My name is Michael Blanc, and I'm really excited you're here to learn with me about apartment building investing. Today, I have on the show Mike Hambright, the CEO and founder of FlipNerd, a huge online resource for anything real estate. And one of the things I always like about Mike is he's always thinking big. He's always doing big things. Now, it's maybe because he lives in Texas, you know, he's always like, you know, go big or go go home. And I was always like, Mike, how do you do these things? How do you accomplish so much in such a short period of time? He says, Michael, the secret is your network, relationships, uh, surrounding yourself with people who have done what you have done, who think much bigger than you do. So I wanted him on a show and explain that. And, and I want you to get the benefit of that conversation. Now, before we get into the show, um, I want to highlight my upcoming workshop. It's an April 27th, 29th in Northern Virginia. And basically, you're going to experience what it's like to buy a 69-unit apartment building. You're going to work in small groups together. You're going to analyze a deal. Uh, you're going to make offers, get it on a contract, raise the money, get the financing, and hopefully get it to closing, dealing with some twists and turns along the way. So if you want to get started with apartment building investing, this is like the next best thing to actually doing it yourself. So check that out at themichaelblank.com forward slash summit. And if you can't make it on April 27th, we're going to have another one in October. We're going to have these twice a year. So definitely get on the waiting list if you can't make that. So that's coming up in April. All right. With that, let's get right in the show with Mike Hambright. All right, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, very happy to be here. Awesome. So just give us a little background on yourself and your business and what you're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, that used to be a lot easier of a question. People used to say, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a real estate investor. And now it's got a lot more complicated now. But yeah, I'm a real estate investor. I'm based in Dallas, bought hundreds of houses here. You know, I, I started off as a corporate guy, tired of corporate America. And my wife was the same, although she wasn't a guy. But anyway, we were both just kind of frustrated with corporate America about 10 years ago. And we're kind of at a pivotal time where we had moved back to Dallas from Washington, D.C. I think I told you they lived there for a little while. It was kind of, you know, the job market was soft and we were just kind of tired of corporate America and decided to jump into real estate investing. But we'll kind of talk probably maybe more about that during the show. But yeah, I'm a real estate investor. I own flipnerd.com, which is a platform for real estate investors where we share lots of shows. We have over 1,500 video shows ourselves. Yeah, we have about 100,000 subscribers that are kind of following our content and we're trying to make the real estate investor industry just a better place, I guess. Yeah, that's fantastic. So let's go back a little bit more to the beginning, Mike, right? So you guys are still working. What was going on in your life or you were thinking, hey, I need, I need a solution and you started thinking real estate. Like, why were you even looking for solutions? Yeah. So if I go back a little ways, I'll go, you know, it's always a question how far back you go. But I had been in several jobs. I was really the first person in my family to even go to college, let alone grad school. So I went to college got a degree in finance, got out and had a couple of jobs that I wasn't particularly like crazy about like spending the rest of my life doing these things. And I decided, well, hey, maybe I need to get some more education. So I went to grad school, got out. And when right when I started grad school, and my wife and I were in the same program. That's how we met, actually. So didn't know each other going into the program, came out dating and got married, you know, a year and a half or so later. Right when my program started as a two-year program that we're focused on full-time, this wasn't like a part-time program, it was uh, the end of August 2001. So September 11th happened just a few weeks into the program and the whole economy changed, right? So we went in thinking, hey, we're going to get out. Everybody's making six figures. You know, you've got a job halfway through the program to where when I got out, half of my class didn't even have a job at graduation. 
And so, you know, it was just kind of the new reality of the time. But we did find jobs. We did fine. We did well for a while. I ended up at a large retail company, multi-billion dollar company, doing some really great things. And then one day, my boss got fired. Basically, the whole team got fired after that. So it was one of those things of like, wow, I can get fired. Like, I'd never been fired before. I'd never had anything like, like that. It was just kind of a slap to my ego, you know. We moved to Washington, D.C. I followed an executive from my last company there and ran a division of that company for about 18 months. And it was flying high. We called it a startup, but it had grown to like a half billion dollars in sales. So it was doing really well, a top line, but profitability-wise is another story. So after I was there for about 18 months, they filed bankruptcy. And at that time, my son had been born like two months earlier. And I didn't have to leave the company, but kind of the writing was on the wall, like this is going to get wound down, which it did. And so I decided to leave. We kept our house in Dallas. My wife's family was all here. My family was all in Illinois. We weren't moving back there. So anyway, we decided to come back to Dallas, but my wife had left her consulting job to have my son. And I had just left my job, as I said. And it was this reality that was early 2008, kind of beginning of 2008. And it was just this reality of, do we go back into corporate America? Like, now I have a family to fend for, right? I, I was at first, my wife was a consultant. She was making more money than I was. And we were living high on the hog. She was traveling a lot, which she didn't like. But, you know, financially, we could do whatever we wanted. Not that we were, you know, doing anything crazy, but we were in control of our lives, right? So we kind of went from this, like, we're in control. We're doing well financially. Two people with no kids and no real responsibilities. So it was easy to just kind of coast and get by. But she really didn't like her job. So now all of a sudden, I'm faced with a situation of like, hey, I'm the sole breadwinner here. I've got to be the man of the house. I got to figure this out. Right or wrong, we kind of went back and forth for a long time on, do we go back to corporate America? What should we do? The job market was soft then, early 2008, because the economy was taking another downturn or starting to. You know, I'd always been interested in real estate investing. And I'd always been entrepreneurial, although I'd never owned a business. So I'd always you know, been the idea guy, but I just never executed on them, which ultimately is all that matters. <laughs> Roundabout way, we started dabbling in real estate and realized that we just weren't going to make get anywhere by dabbling and just decided to just go all in the summer of 2008. Our first year with no previous experience whatsoever, we ended up buying 65 houses just by being purely focused and kind of following a proven process and systems. So the houses that you did, were these flips? Were these rentals? So about 50% fix and flip and 50% wholesale and 10% rehab. Now, I know that adds up to 110%. So we kept about one in 10 as rentals kind of along the way. The rest, we kind of did half wholesaling our assignments and half fix and flip. Now, most people, Mike, that get started with real estate investing don't come out of the gate doing 65 you know, flips. Right. Why did you kind of want to go out big like this? Well, financially, we could go back into corporate America and do okay. Like It would have been hard to find a job at that time. And then we wouldn't have necessarily found a job that we liked, but we had done okay. So, you know, we were kind of mid-level executives, I guess. So we could have done that. So it was not like, I'm not trying to offset a $60,000 a year income here. Like if I can't go big, I'm going to go home. And so we just really, really got after it. I mean, truthfully, I, I don't tell this story very much, but there was a moment where we were trying to do this, talking to realtors and they were like, when they got time, they'd send us comps on houses. It was like, there was no way that was ever going to work, that strategy. And so we were just kind of truthfully like most people and most people end up failing in real estate, right? They're just dabbling. They're fooling around. Like, oh, I looked at a house the other day. It's like, no, you need to look at 10 houses a day. Like you need to just treat it like a business, right? And we didn't. But there was a moment where my wife, because we'd just been burning through savings and we're trying to get this to work in. My wife is, she's on the introvert side of our relationship and I'm on the, I'm on the E side. 
But she looked at me with this kind of face that I'd never seen before and said, we're drowning here and you need to fix this. And it was like, she had never like said anything like that to me before. I won't get as emotional as that moment got for us here on the show with you. It just lit this fire under me that was like, let's get it on. You know, I got to go. From there on, it was like, we're treating this seriously. I'm not going to have all these peripheral things going on. We're just laser focused and doing whatever it takes to make this work. She said you were drowning. What do you mean? Drowning financially? Like not doing Well, we've just been burning. Too much yeah, we had burned through a lot of capital and it was just like, hey, we have a, my son was one. He just turned one. We were on Cobra Insurance. So that was a ticking time bomb. There's just lots of things that was like, this doesn't appear to be on the right path here. Hmm. So I don't think she used the word drowning, but it was just like, this isn't going to work out this way. And it was kind of just that laser eye looking at me saying, you got to fix this. And from there on, we just cranked. Now, you were at this point still not employed, right? So you decided to do this full time? Yeah, I have not been employed by anyone else since, uh, I guess, the fall of 2007. That's I'm crazy. what they say, unemployable now. Yeah, I, you know, I, I feel the same oh, way. I mean, who the heck would hire me? I'm way too high maintenance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would say two things. One, who could hire me? And two, not many people could afford me for what I would want. Yeah. You know, so. Exactly. It's a combination yeah. of that. Hey, got to be king. Got to be your own boss. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So you guys went full board, did 65 houses that first year. And what happened after that? What did you do after that? So we went on for several years of doing 60, 70 houses. Then things started to get more complicated. You know, we started accumulating some rentals. I got into coaching a couple of years later, where, and I still do a lot of coaching and mentoring for folks today. I really love that, actually. But it's turned into a, a meaningful business, too. Started Flip Nerd and, you know, just start to add things on that complicate things. Complicated from a, I can't just say I'm a real estate investor anymore. I'm like, well, I'm a real estate investor. I teach people how to invest. I do a show. We still invest in houses. We still fix and flip houses. We still are active. We still have a rental portfolio that's largely well on its way to being paid off now, which is good. And we have other revenue streams now. And so for me, it's a matter of what do I like doing the most? And that tends to be stuff with people, whether it's coaching or mentoring or doing the shows and sharing my knowledge or working with people to share their knowledge, right? And so I have that flexibility now. At one point, I didn't have it. I, I had to go work. I had to crank. I had to like rehab six to eight houses at a time, whatever, you know, whatever we were doing was all real estate. And now it's all real estate related, but it's a sampling of a number of different things. Well, one thing I like about you, Mike, is that you're always thinking big. Like I'm thinking like in like little increments <laughs> and you're like, screw that. I'm going to get so, so this house flipping thing, I don't know if people know this, but talk a little bit about your home investors franchise. Yeah. So that was one of the ways that we got started is I bought a franchise and we did that for a number of years. I became, you know, certainly at the time, the largest coach and mentor in the program, coaching and mentoring other people. But it just got to a point to where, you know, I felt like I could do things better myself. And when inside of a big organization, there's a lot of rules, right? And real estate investors tend to be scrappy and just have to figure things out. And so I left there about a year and a half ago and just kind of doing my own thing now. My point is you get it to a certain point, you're like, how can I expand this even to like a, a greater level? Right. And then you did the home investor thing. And, you know, even with FlipNerd, I mean, what a fantastic resource. If listeners haven't heard of FlipNerd before, make sure you go there and, you know, look at what Mike has built there, all the content, the interviews he's got with people who are really, really successful. And it's an amazing amount of resources on, on that website. So that stuff you've done there, I know is a lot of work, but it's a huge resource for people trying to get all aspects of real estate investing. Did you want to say something about FlipNerd? No, I was going to say I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and fortunately, you know, one of the things that it's done for me, and, you know, I think we're going to talk about networks a bit today, it's helped me build my network. My intention when I started FlipNerd was not to build a network. It was just to start meeting other people and doing some, you know, talking to learn what other people were doing and maybe apply it to my business or, but it turned into this just incredible resource for me to build my network. I'm a connector. So I'm the type of guy that, 
Michael, you and I have known each other for a few years now. But if you ever asked for a resource or you needed a connection and I knew that person, I would connect you. Like that's what I do. I connect people. And so the thing is, is it benefits everybody in my kind of inner circle, if you will, whether it's people that are on my shows or coaching students or people that are in our mastermind groups. And that's something that I love to do more than anything. I love to kind of be that guy that can connect people and help them make a difference. And, you know, not that I get anything for it necessarily other than the satisfaction of helping people. And, and I believe in karma too. So that stuff ultimately comes around. In my own experience, I've noticed that you're sometimes just one relationship away from a whole new level that you can't even fathom. Like, so in the example of in the multifamily space, let's say, oh my gosh, I don't know where the money is going to come from. And then all of a sudden, some networking event, you meet this guy, he says, I got $5 million behind me. All I need is a deal. And you're like, holy cow, I have a deal right now. I need a million dollars for it. Right. And all of a sudden, you didn't think it was possible. All of a sudden, you're one relationship away. Talk a little bit more about the importance of network in your career and your life. What happened for me is by nature, I've always been that guy. When I was underaged, I got the fake ID and I was throwing parties and pulling people together. And even as an adult now, like I organized an event for a bunch of old friends that haven't seen each other in a couple of years. Just this past weekend, we got together and and they kind of know like, hey, you're the guy he has to set up another one for us. Like, So I'm just that guy that does that, right? In the real estate space, when I first started, I don't know what it was, but I was a little more fearful. Like I, I wasn't the natural kind of networker that I really am or that I always have been. So for a while, for the first like year or so, I didn't want to meet my competition or I would see somebody that was competing against me and I'd be like, well, I just, I just don't like that guy. Like, I never even met him. How can I not like him? Right. But then it happened where I did a deal with somebody and the next thing you know, we're grabbing coffee or something. And I was like, I really like that guy. He's a good guy. He lives by me. He's got a family like mine. Like we should get together, you know? And that was kind of the beginning for me of realizing that how important it is to have an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset. Because there's so much opportunity in this industry, no doubt, to do deals together. People that you think are your competitors and we're doing deals together, right? Like you have a podcast, I have a podcast. I don't ever say like, well, I'll never be on your show and I don't ever want you on mine. Like probably most of the people in the real estate space uh, spend time networking together that are doing podcasts, networking together and on each other's shows, right? Because we understand the value of building that network. And so for me, it all started off as a way after I kind of cracked the code on why it's important to do more deals, right? I would find people that I'm selling houses to, whether I'm wholesaling or signing in, and they would assign houses to me. I've bought over a hundred houses just from other investor leads outside of all my advertising, other things that we do. And I've sold over a hundred houses to completely different investors, right? So there's lots of ways to work together. And then that's just evolved. When I started coaching people, you know, I got some opportunity to do more deals through them because I could buy their houses fast if they wanted to wholesale or assign. Well, I can close in two or three days. So that worked out for them and it worked out for me. And sometimes I would sell them houses and, you know, I'm not in the lending space, but that would have been a big opportunity to lend to them and in some instances, maybe borrow from them. Right. And so there's lots of things like that that start to happen once you get in this industry. It's like the sky is the limit as to the opportunity you can create together with other people that you like and, and respect. Yeah, I think relationships are, are huge. And time again, when I interview people on the podcast like you, and they talk about what they've done and the partnerships and the connections they've built up. And it's just interesting because those things tend to accelerate a person's career or trajectory or, or goals, these relationships that you have. But you have to get yourself out there, right? So if you're more of an introvert, you got to get out there. I try to hide behind my podcast and my camera, right? I love that. Just because it's convenient, you know, but every time I go out and I'm in a networking environment, it's amazing you achieve a whole level of the relationship with people and they advance you in ways that you didn't even conceive of before you went out there. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. A lot of stuff that we've done is online. Like I said, we have over 1500 video podcasts on Flipnerd, but that's why I participated in masterminds. I've now started some masterminds and I like to go to events because 
you and I have a limited time to talk here today, but if we were together at an event, we'd end up sitting by each other and, you know, there'd just be these random questions that you think about, like, what are you doing about this? Or, you know, where do you think the market's going or whatever it is? You can have more meaningful, I guess, kind of random conversations. Like our conversation today here is going to be naturally fairly, not that any of this is scripted. We're on a mission here to like record a show, right? But when we're out just talking about talking shop and getting to know each other, like that's where some of the best conversations are. Even at organized events, masterminds, conferences, and things like that, I found the best conversations, the best learning opportunities are usually in the hallway or at the bar or something, right? They're kind of these side events where people can kind of like relax and just be themselves a little more. Well, let's talk about masterminds because you you brought it up and yep. you know, you've been part of masterminds, but you also started one, Investor Fuel, right? So you have, you're starting. Yep. What is the, the role of a masterminds for you personally? What role did that play? Well, so for me, what Investor Fuel is and masterminds I've been a part of before are kind of high level masterminds, people that if you're the biggest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room, right? So you go there to meet some folks that are doing some amazing things. You know, subconsciously, we're all competing with ourselves, right? Mentally and with one another. And when you start to learn what some other people are doing, it helps you take your game to the next level. It kind of forces you to step up your game like, wow, I thought I was awesome. And I'm not as awesome as I thought I was, right? The other thing that happens is there's no silver bullets in this business. There's a bunch of little tips and tricks that people have that work for them. And you probably know this. Sometimes you hear this like little thing, especially in the single family house business, you know, they're like little tips that I hear somebody say in like 30 seconds. And I was like, that's going to help me put $70,000 a year more in my pocket just from that one little thing that I'd never even thought of before. So it's these little bitty things. What I kind of find is when I, when I host these events and when I go to these events, you don't sit there and absorb everything and like, it's not all the same. You just like, it's like a gold miner, I guess. I'm panning for nuggets, right? And I'm willing to go through a bunch of pans to find one or two nuggets. And that's kind of how I see these events too. There's like little things that you pick up that you can apply fairly easily back to your business and that really moves the needle for you. I found that it, these masterminds or the people that have done what you have done, they kind of expand your, I would say, the limits of your comfort zone and your thinking. Like sometimes I remember, you know, I was thinking back is that the idea of raising a million dollars was like so far, it was like giant stretch goal for me. You know, until yeah. I met people who have raised more than a million dollars, it goes, you know, it's not that hard. You can do it. And I'm like, really? You know, this person <laughs> had more faith in my ability to do what I think was impossible. And you meet one or two of these people and all of a sudden you start to believe that, oh my gosh, well, I can do it, right? This guy has faith in me yep. and he's done it. And he's like, you know, it's not a big deal. I raised $10 million, right? It's, it's like, you can do this. And all of a sudden you have this belief that you didn't have before. That alone, you get a couple people like that, your life is like never the same again. Yeah, it doesn't take much, right? And as you know, with raising money, one of the funny things is it's real easy to go from not being able to raise money to being able to raise way more than you need, right? Because you find that person that's got access to a lot more than what you need. And then, then the challenge is, well, how can I apply this? How can I put this to work? you know, first world problems here, but there's no doubt that getting around a lot of other smart people can only make you better. So what are some of your advice to build a network? What do you advise, you know, someone you're having coffee with someone and said, Mike, I want to be just like you. And you say, well, you know what the secret is to expand your network. Well, how do I do that? I just kind of look back at myself. I mean, I started with going to real estate clubs and, you know, at the time there really weren't a lot of podcasts back then, but listening to podcasts, but just kind of finding out where people cluster at, right? So it turns out like in the market like Dallas here, there's a lot of Facebook groups, you know, there's probably eight or 10 kind of meaningful real estate investor Facebook groups. But when you start to see the same people post, like there's people that are getting together in small groups doing things that are not necessarily the big formal like meetup groups, but those are okay too, you know, but it's just trying to find out where people are at that you respect or admire that are actually at least doing deals, right? And start to get around those folks and just listen and ask open-ended questions and 
and learn from them. So yeah, I think that's kind of how it starts. And then from there, there'll be relationships you build that you start to learn about other things going on or somebody's inviting you over for a barbecue or something else. The next thing you know, you're building meaningful relationships that started off as you know something a little innocent, but then they kind of grow into other things, right? But you got to leave the house every once in a while. Yeah, you got to get out of the house. Got to get out of the house. It really is amazing. These conversations I have on podcast interviews, the role that of other people that they've met played in people. I just interviewed a gentleman today who did his first 198 unit deal. He came out of a meeting that they had with someone who had access to capital and he had the deal and they came together and all of a sudden, boom, within three months, they had this giant deal and neither of them would have been successful without the other. You got to leave the house every once in a while. Yeah. No, I think that's one of the challenges with social media the way it is today and technology the way it is today is it's really easy to sit at your desktop and attempt to do things. But I've definitely found, even if you're on the introverted side, you just got to go out and get out there and meet people. But yeah, there's not a whole lot you can do. I know that there's people that sell systems or training around, never talk to a buyer or a seller, just like sit at your computer and buy and sell houses. It's like, it's been done before probably, but not a sustainable business model ultimately. Ultimately, you know, even in this business, whether you're buying multifamily, Certainly if you're buying single family, right? Like we talk a lot in our training that it's all about helping people. It's helping them solve their problem, right? We buy houses from people that are in a difficult situation. Multifamily is a little bit different, but probably sometimes there's people that are, you know, passed away, a family inherited a building, the family doesn't know what the heck to do with it. And so, you know, but ultimately this is all about helping people solve problems, whether it's they're trying to move into retirement and sell something off and get the most they can for it, or they're in a distress situation where they need to sell it quickly. It's ultimately about, you know, solving those people's problems. So hard to do that from behind a desk. What are you most excited about right now, Mike? You know, I'm most excited about, I would say in my business, our mastermind is doing really well, Investor Fuel, and we're getting just some phenomenal people in the group, people that are doing hundreds of deals a year Mm. in some instances. It's just to continue to expand. I mean, those are the things I like to do the most. I like fixing and flipping houses. I like the transformation. I like all those things. But the direction that I'm going in my business now, we're kind of moving things more virtual and we can run our businesses. I've got employees all over the world now. There's always like been the small core team that's here in my office. And even now, my business development guy is working from home today. Hannah on my team, we're talking to her about working from home a couple of days a week. So we're trying to just get the whole team to be more virtual so that it opens up more opportunities for us. So I would say just further building relationships with folks like you, kind of getting more and more virtual, which just I equate to kind of freedom, right? I don't have to like be somewhere all day long anymore. I appreciate what you're doing with Flipner. Like I said, if listener has not been by Flipner, you must go by there. It's just like a treasure trove of stuff. So the stuff you've done there in a short period of time is truly amazing. So thank you for your part of educating the masses. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Now, how do people connect with you, Mike? Probably the best way is through Flipnerd. So you can go to Flipnerd and check out our content. If you want to connect to me on social media, Facebook, I'm trying to start using Instagram a little more. <laughs> but Facebook is, is I probably spend too much time in there. Might have some social media addictions, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Facebook is probably the best place to uh, connect to me on social media. Mike, thanks so much for coming to the show today. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Good to see you. I think networking is so key, meaning get out, leave the house, meet people. It always amazes me what happens when you do that. And you're not necessarily even looking for specific things, but all of a sudden you find a deal, you find a money partner, you find a mentor, you find something of value when you go and network, especially when you do it intentionally. And I've always found the people that interview on the podcast that have done great things, the one thing they always have in common is is that they come in contact with someone who helps increase their confidence and expand their comfort zone and their imagination. And this is like with anything in life, but especially when you're when you when you feel like you're constricted and you're thinking small, 
or you're thinking in a current environment, all of a sudden you get around a person who has not only done what you've done, but what they think that what you're doing is actually easy to do. And they go, no, this is easy to do, Michael. Here's how you do it. And all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, this guy's saying it's easy to do. They have confidence in me, even though I don't have it myself. And so I have found repeatedly through my own experience and interviewing others that that surrounding yourself with people who have done what you want to do, and you can meet these at your local RIA meetings or just networking or even a mastermind group of some sort or, or a program, it really it's amazing the impact those relationships have. So I wanted Mike on the show because it's something he does really, really well. I'm always, every time I talk to him, I'm amazed what he does. And it's, it's because he is able to think big and he's encouraged by other people around him. So anyway, I hope you found that that useful. Um, if you haven't done it so already, one of the things I think you can do is raise money. And one of the next things you, that you should do is download my free ebook, which is called The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. And it's at themichaelblank.com forward slash ebook. So make sure that you do that right away while it's still fresh in your mind. Um, if you love the show, leave me a review on iTunes. I love reading them and it exposes them to a wider audience. And uh, yeah, that's all we got today. Really appreciate taking the time. I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.